Acts chapter 20 and verse number 7. And upon the first day of the week when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow, and continued his speech until midnight. I don't want to hear it when I go a little over. All right? I'm reasonably convinced you'll be out of here before midnight. Reasonably convinced. And there were many lights in the upper chamber where they were gathered together. And there sat in a window a certain young man named Eutychus being fallen into a deep sleep. Yeah, I've seen some of y'all pull a Eutychus on me from time to time. I'm thinking of one precious couple, not at this church, not at this church, but there was a precious couple, and I wasn't preaching. Man, that would have been rough on me if I was. His head was down, and her head was back, and they were both gone, just gone. Sat in a window a certain young man named Eutychus being fallen into a deep sleep. And as Paul was long preaching, he sunk down with sleep and fell down from the third loft and was taken up dead. And Paul went down and fell on him and embracing him said, trouble not yourselves for his life is in him. Some have tried to manufacture an idea here that Paul had some early understanding of CPR and that that's what he was doing in this embrace. Don't see anything in the scripture to support that. What this looks like is Elijah and Elisha. Remember when they individually dealt with a similar situation and they, they placed themselves on the child evidently directed by God to do so. This young man was dead. Let's make that very clear. He was dead, okay? When he therefore was come up again and had broken bread and eaten and talked a long while, even till break of day, so he departed. Did you catch that? After all this, Paul went up and continued preaching. Again, I don't want to hear it. But I have heard some preachers say, yeah, well, preacher, if you can bring back the dead, you can preach as long as you want. But... Uh, Verse 12, they were brought, and they brought the young man alive and were not a little comforted. We're not a little comforted. We don't know exactly how young this young man was. There's different uses for the word behind it. But it's safe to say that he was under 18, perhaps a young teenager, uh, maybe a little younger than that. We don't know. They're there in the town of Troas, and he fell asleep during Paul's preaching. And when he did, he tumbled out of a window down three stories to his death. Now, before we get into this, I want to I note some positive points here that we need to make note of. First of all, Eutychus is to be commended for being there at all. He was likely a servant. The, the word that they use for Eutychus can sometimes mean a servant and probably was. And even though this was a Sunday, they didn't have Sundays off like we do today. So he probably had worked all day and has now come to church in the evening. His positioning at the window suggests that he recognized the possibility that he could fall asleep and was doing his best to avoid that. So let's give him his credit, okay? Now, Paul was not this droning, long-winded preacher. Far from it. 
He was going to leave the next day, and his preaching was what these folks needed to be sustained. So what are we saying for Here's the point. Everyone in this story was where they were supposed to be and doing what they were supposed to be doing. Let me, let me underscore that. Everybody was where they were supposed to be and doing what they were supposed to be doing. Very much like all of you. Right now, every one of you is where you're supposed to be. And as a child of God, right now, you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. Even so, Eutychus fell. In the midst of a right situation, Eutychus still fell. How could this happen? And what does this narrative teach a modern-day Christian? If you are where you're supposed to be and doing what you're supposed to be doing, can you or me, like Eutychus, still fall? And the answer is a resounding yes. So tonight, we delve into the story. And we're going to flesh out four observations that are going to hopefully help us in the matter of protecting against a fall. Protecting against a fall. Lord, you have given me a fantastic message. And it is not because I came up with it. I know I didn't. The way this thing flowed... This is just the work of the Holy Ghost of God using your word. And Father, I am excited about the content, and I am keenly aware that the only thing that could mess this up is me. And I don't want to do that. So Lord, would you guide my every word, and would you present your word in the way that you want to tonight, and may it find good ground. And in doing so, may Jesus be lifted up. For it's in his name we pray. Amen. I want to give you four observations that will help us protect against a fall. Because remember, you can be where you're supposed to be, doing what you're supposed to be doing, and still fall. Four observations. Number one, some solutions just create more danger. Some solutions do nothing but create more danger danger. Now, Eutychus, he had four things going against him this evening. Number one, there were many lamps. If you're in a warm room, that's strike one, right? Number two, Paul was long preaching. If you dig into the Greek, do you know what it actually says? I love it. He went on and on and on. You ever been there? Don't you say amen. <laughs> but Paul just kept going and going and going. So there's strike two. Strike three. The hour was late. And then just to add one else, he was tired. Put those four together and any of us are going to struggle, aren't we? 
The room's a little warm. See, y'all, y'all don't realize it. Up here, it's warm. Down there, you're probably cold. Some of you and some of you are. How many are cold? None. How many of you are too hot? How many of you are just right? All right, you know what the Bible says about you lukewarm Christians right in the middle. Y'all walked right into that one. But if it's warm, I go a little longer than you'd hoped I would. You're tired, the hour's late. It's not unexpected that some people are going to fall by the wayside. Andy, what do you do when you see somebody sleeping? I remember what Pastor John Brothers told me. If you see them sleeping, leave them alone. They need their rest. Leave them alone. Now, if they start snoring, maybe help me out there. But uh, if they're just sleeping, leave them be. These problems almost certainly would result in his falling asleep. Now, if he fell asleep during this service, during this preaching, that would be embarrassing and, yeah, counterproductive. But nothing about him falling asleep in a service is inherently deadly. Right? Because if if falling asleep in a service could kill somebody, we'd have more funerals here than we do. But here was Eutychus' solution. The problem really wasn't that bad. If I fall asleep, it's going to be embarrassing. I'm not going to get what I need out of the message. But here's what I'm going to do to solve it. I am going to sit in a windowsill that is three stories up. You see where we're going here? My solution is more dangerous than my problem ever was. And sometimes Christians can see a problem and come up with a solution that turns out it's more dangerous than the problem was to begin with. Can I give you some examples? The problem, boy, the Bible just isn't speaking to me like it used to. So my solution I just don't read it as much as I used to. What have you done? You've embraced a solution that's worse than your problem was. Hmm? Oh, I got a problem. Church just isn't doing it for me like it used to. And let's be honest, and you're not hurting my feelings if you say amen here. Sometimes, sometimes church is not the home run that I wish it was every service. Is it? Think about your meals. Do you come back from the table every time you eat and say, man, what a meal? No. Sometimes it's peanut butter and jelly. Sometimes it's ramen. Sometimes it's not exactly that exciting, but you needed it. And sometimes that's how church is. I would love to see everybody leaving after every service. Man, what a service. But that's unrealistic. So the problem is, I'm just not getting it out of church like I used to. So what's our solution? I go less frequently. What have you done? You've embraced a solution that's worse than the problem. How about this one? 
My marriage is kind of lackluster. So in order to deal with it, I'm going to get more me time. What have you done? You've put yourself in a dangerous position when you've got a lackluster marriage. Now, I know nobody ever goes through that. I know everybody in here that, that, that's still married, that your spouse is still with you here, that, that it's just as exciting today as it was the day you got married, that you've never had a law. You've never had, I know that never happens to you, but every once in a while, every once in a while, I don't measure up to Crystal's expectations in our marriage. So we're just going to spend less time together. What have you done? You've embraced a solution that's more dangerous than the problem. Oh, I've got more. My kids are driving me absolutely bananas. So my solution is to just let them have what they want. What have you done? You've embraced a solution that is infinitely more dangerous than the problem. One more. I just can't maintain friendships and relationships, and I'm around people, and it's awkward, and I'm around people, and they're not nice, and I'm around people, and I don't know what to say, and, and I, can't seem to, I can't seem to get any encouragement from anybody, and I've just gotten to where I can't stand people. So here's my solution. Hermit. Disengage. Stay away. What have you done? You've embraced a solution more dangerous than the problem. The problem Eutychus had is I might fall asleep and get embarrassed. So what I'm going to do, my solution is to sit in a precarious spot that may ultimately kill me. Hmm? All of these problems we mentioned are fixable if we avoid our own man-made, more dangerous solutions. We get into trouble when we start trying to think of solutions instead of looking to God's Word and finding out what He says will fix it. This is good. I like it. It's good for me. Y'all may not get a thing out of this message, but I'm having myself a time. Because as I'm preparing this message, the Holy Spirit is saying, that's you, bud. That's you. Number two, the second observation to protect against a fall. Beware of misplaced confidence. Now, this requires a little bit of research, but if you were to look at the houses of Paul's day in that region, Those houses, more often than not, in their windows, they had a covering called a lattice. And it was completely decorative. All it was meant to do at the most was keep big birds from flying in. There was nothing structural about it. In fact, you weren't worried about security because if you're three floors up, by the time somebody climbs three floors up to get in your house, you've heard them coming. They're just decorative, you know. It was not meant for structural stability. 
But could it be that Eutychus thought, I'm going to be okay in this window because there's a lattice. And if I do doze off and lean against this lattice, I'll be okay. When the reality of it is there was nothing in that lattice that could stop him. He put his confidence in something that was never meant to be used to protect him. Hmm? Now, let me ask you a question, one that I've had to ask myself. How often do we place undue confidence in the decorative lattices of our lives that have no power to keep us from falling? I'm where I'm supposed to be. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And I've got some lattices in my life that are going to keep me from falling. Well, what kind of lattices? Well, I haven't fallen yet. Take heed. Beware. You think you stand, lest you fall. I've never fallen before. I've got some past victories. Past victories are just that. They're in the past. How about this? I got a strong marriage. I'm not worried about falling. I've got a strong marriage. Can I tell you something, friend? By God's grace, I believe I have a strong marriage. My wife and I are more in love now than we've ever been. And she can't debate that. She's not here. She's home with a sick kid. Okay? I love that woman with the white-hot intensity of a thousand sons. And I am keenly aware that I married up. I know how good I've got it. My marriage is strong. By God's grace, there is nothing between us. We have no secrets. We have no, no issues that I know of. We are in great shape. And yet, I've still got all kinds of layers of accountability that I have put into my ministry to try and protect me from doing something stupid. Why? Because just the idea that I have a strong marriage is just a decorative lattice. It has no integrity to save me from anything. So I have a big window in my office, and I have procedures for how and when I meet with ladies. I have certain ways that I deal with young people. I have certain things that I have in place regarding my cell phone and my computer and all of that. These things are in place not because I have intentions of doing wrong, but I'm keenly aware that at any moment my flesh could rear its ugly head and do what it's made to do. I can't lean on that lattice. And fellas, if you think you can hold off temptation because you think you've got a strong marriage, you are in dire, dire straits right now. We stay out of trouble when we plan to stay out of trouble. Well, my personality is just not such for me to fall in that direction. That's a weak lattice, y'all. Can I tell you something about my personality? By God's grace, I have never once even for a millisecond been tempted to steal God's money. It's just not something that's on my radar. 
and yet we have things in place that I couldn't take more than 50 bucks out of petty cash without anybody knowing it. Andy, are you saying you have intention? No, but it doesn't matter what my personality is. It doesn't matter my past victories. It doesn't matter where I think I'm strong. That lattice is not strong enough to keep me from falling. So what do I do? I got to put things in place that will. Let me give you one more. Tenured service. I've been a Sunday school teacher for 74 years. I'm a deacon. I'm a trustee. I'm a treasurer. I'm in the sound booth. I work in the school. I'm the pastor. It doesn't matter. They are lattices that are weak, that can't save anybody. Preachers fall all the time. Sunday school teachers fall all the time. Deacons fall all the time. School board members fall all the time. Why? Because that lattice couldn't hold them. Our confidence must be rooted in and dependent upon the grace of God as we live according to his word. If Jesus doesn't come back first and I make it to the end of my ministry and y'all have me sprawled out in front of the pulpit and my dead body's laying there waiting for the great getting up morning, if I made it without scandal, if I made it without failing, if I made it without doing something stupid, it's not because I'm something good. It's not because I got it in me to do it. It's because God's grace did what God's grace does. It's because the word of God was quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword and it pierced even to the dividing of my soul and spirit it's because god did what god does it's got nothing to do with what i can do and if we make it through this thing y'all it's because of the grace of god beware of misplaced confidence number three i'm gonna have to explain this one to you because god had to explain it to me Strive for contentment, not comfort. Now, what's the difference? Contentment means I can live with this setup. Comfort means I love this setup. And there's a difference. At some point, Eutychus got a little too comfortable. If I'm driving a long way by myself, I said, man, I, when, I, when I was in college, the bell, the, the chapel would end. I already had my car packed, got my slip that my room was good to go, and I was in that 94 Chevy Cavalier, and I was gone. I hit 65, Interstate 65. I drove faster than 65. I hit Interstate 65. And then I got off 65 and got on 85, and I headed on up to Petersburg. I literally drove from the beginning to the end of Interstate 85 going home from college. And it took about 12 hours. I stopped for gas and other things, and that was it. And I'd get home, and I had the energy to keep on trucking, man. I'd go see my friends. I'd see my family, and we just, I was, now? Roanoke takes it out of me. 
And if I'm driving by myself, I have a tendency to get sleepy. So what I, I dare not do is get in the car and get everything just right. Now, if Crystal's driving, okay, but, but if I'm driving, I intentionally take a posture that I'm content with. I can live with it. It's not painful, but it's not too comfortable because when I get comfortable, my judgment starts to wane. I start getting sleepy, and there's many good Christians that went from being content to being comfortable, and their judgment started to wane. And before they knew it, they were asleep at the wheel. It's so easy to happen. Can I tell you, after almost 12 years of being here, I am completely content to be the pastor of Fellowship Baptist Church. I am grateful, and I love it. But I dare not let myself get comfortable. Because one of two things happens if I get too comfortable. I either don't get the job done here or I fail to hear the Lord if there's a job to be done somewhere else. And either way, I fall. Eutychus let himself get too comfortable. Well, what could he have done? What some of you have done. He could have got up and stood up in the back of the room. How many Christians have gotten too comfortable in their Christian walk? Notice what Paul says, Philippians 4.11. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be comfortable, therewith to be content. Some solutions create more dangers. Beware of misplaced confidence. Strive for contentment and not comfort. Here's the last one. No one makes it on their own. A question that keeps resonating in my mind as I read the story of Eutychus. Why didn't anyone help this kid out? If he was younger than a teenager, what adult said, oh yeah, let him sit in that windowsill, he'll be fine. Really? Surely somebody saw him sitting there. You ever been there? Your eyes start crossing. And you're thinking in your head, I'm still here. I'm still here. I'm I'm gone. You could do a favor for me if you wanted. You see somebody, particularly, particularly our men, you see somebody nod off, touch him and say, he just called on you to pray. See what happens. 
It's interesting. Nobody lifted a finger to do anything to help Eutychus until he'd already fallen. And do we not see that in our Baptist circles these days? Nobody's willing to do a thing to help keep somebody from falling. But boy, we circle around them after they have. Perhaps if someone would have taken responsibility, he would not have fallen to begin with. Well, Andy, I mean, Paul brought him back, so, you know, it wasn't a big... Okay, you go jump off a three-story building and let it hit the ground and then see if you want to go through that even if you know you're coming back. Do you? No. There's two things... Two things. There's a reason I do that, but I don't know if I should get into that. There's two things to understand. This truth is manifested in two ways. Number one, we have a responsibility to minister to one another in a godly and loving way. Now, I'm not saying be judgmental. I'm not saying get into people's business. But if God prompts your heart to go to somebody and be an encouragement to them, then do it. Because you may be what's keeping them from falling. Now, again, there's a right and a wrong way to do that. Robert, i got to be honest with you. I've been watching you lately, buddy, and your attitude's not been great, and I think you ought to get right. But Don't do that. Even if it's true, don't do that. I may be wrong, bud, but it seems like lately you've been a little bit down. Is there anything I can pray with you about? Is there any way that I can be a blessing to you? Is there any way I can be a help to you? That may be what keeps him from falling. What did, what did Paul say about this in uh, Philippians 2.4? Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Now, we've had some kids try to apply that in class. To no, that is not the cheating proof text. It means to be concerned about what's going on in other people's lives. We quote this often, Galatians 6.2, bear you one another's burdens. And so fulfill the law of Christ. And could it be that kind word is what keeps that Eutychus from falling? There's another side to it, though. If somebody comes to you like that, don't respond negatively. If someone has a genuine show of concern, I'm fine, just mind your business, I'll keep to mind. Don't do that. You thank God that there's somebody that cares enough about you to reach out to you and say, I love you and I'm praying for you. Because you may not know it, but they may be keeping you from falling. Hebrews 10.25, we love to quote, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. You ought to be in church. Amen. But the verse before tells you why. And it goes right along with what we're saying. Why? What's the, if all it is is the word of God and the preaching and, the, and, and all of that, then we could just do online church. If that's all it is. But that's not all it is. Verse 24 in Hebrews chapter 10 tells us what it is. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works. 
you're not here just for the preaching. You're here for each other. We're here to keep each other from falling. So what? I think this so what's pretty evident. You may not even know it, but every one of us right now could be on that window ledge. Any of us. It could be the one next to you on the pew. It could be you. It could be me. There's nothing more heart-wrenching than seeing people we love fall. Well, why do they fall? I'll tell you why they fall. They fall because some of their solutions were worse than their problems. They fall because they put too much confidence in a lattice that was never meant to hold them. They fall because they were more interested in being comfortable than they were content. And they fall because they tried to do it by themselves. May God help us to hold on to one another and help keep each other from falling.